again uh, on Wednesday during that. Amen. At this time, could you please stand as we read God's scripture for today? A reference for his word. The Lord is great. His word is the word of life. The word is what we used to guide us and to show us what we need to do. If you are confused, read the word of God. If you need guidance, read the word of God. If you need healing, read the word of God. Praise. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew 25, starting on verse 1. Matthew 25, verse 1. And the word of God reads like this. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be no enough for us in you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the Lord was shut. Verse 11. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say to you, I know you not. Verse 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your message for today, Lord. For your words are true. Lord, your word of God is true. And what you promise to do, you fulfill. For you are a faithful and powerful God. And me, Lord, Holy Spirit, take control of our hearts, our mind, take control of this service. I rebuke any spirit of disunity or disturbance that may come to come into this place. Lord, we we'll turn over the service to you. Put your words in my mouth. Open our hearts to receive, our minds to understand, our eyes to see, our ears to hear what your spirit is telling us this morning. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Great to see you here. You made it through. It's a little rain, a little snow. I think there's more coming, but we had troubles. Don't worry. We'll get everybody out in time for the Super Bowl, right? I think there is something going on today. So. Amen. Um, but I titled today's message, The Blessed Hope. The Blessed Hope. In Assemblies of God, we have, which is the denomination to which we belong in this church, we have what we call the 16 fundamental truths. 16 fundamental truths. Those are, there are more in the Bible, but those are the ones we consider to be the foundation for the rest of our beliefs. And if you're part of this church, you should know them. If not, come and see me. I'll, <laughs> I'll give them to you. But you should be aware of what you believe. 
So you can explain. Some of those are, for instance, the first one says that the scripture is inspired by God. That's the first fundamental truth out of which everything else comes. Because if this book that I'm holding in my hand is not inspired of God, then we're wasting our time. So we got to start from there. And there are two others towards the end, 13 and 14, that talk about Christ's return. One is called the Blessed Hope, which is when Christ returns, it's going to be in two phases. The first one is going to come from his church, and we're going to be raptured and transformed and meet him in the air. So get ready. Amen? The Bible said that those who slept in Christ will go before us, and those who remain alive will go after. Very quickly. Mine will be very quick. and will be transformed in the blinking of an eye. And then the second phase is when he and his church will come down to earth visibly, and the whole world will see his return. And that is two other fundamental truths that we in Assemblies of God get from the Word of God. Amen? And the parable uh, that we just read is a warning for us to be ready for his return. It's a warning for us to be ready for his return. If we believe that, we should be ready. If you don't believe it, then that's a different story. Come and see me. <laughs> uh, I'll talk to you about it. But if we believe it, we need to be ready. So I want to go back and examine this parable a little more closely and bring out a few points for us today. So if we go back to verses 1 and 2, it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. So that is the setting of the parable. The parable is set at a wedding feast. But it's not the typical wedding that we celebrate today. This is not what we do today. But in that time in the East, this was the, the tradition was that the bridegroom would go to the bride's home, which typically was their parents' home, her parents' home, and would pick her up over there. And then bring her to her to his house, the bridegroom's house, and then that's where the celebration would take place. So that was a typical traditional wedding at the time. So the bridegroom have left to pick up his bride, and now he's going to, to his house to bring her to, her to his home where the feast is going to take place. And then the wedding party is waiting for the bridegroom to come, to you know, welcome the bride and the bridegroom, and then celebrate together the feast. So that is the setting of the parable. And there were ten uh, virgins, it says here, five were wise and five were foolish. So the first thing to notice is that this parable is directed toward those who profess to know Christ. This parable or this teaching is directed towards those who profess to know Christ. Why? Because if an atheist, a Hindu, a Muslim is not waiting for Christ to return. They might even know who Christ is. They might even know what this is about. But those who profess to be Christians, oh, the Bible teaches us that he's going to return. 
So the Bible is directed to those of us who profess to be Christians because only Christians are waiting for Christ to return. Let's keep reading. Verse 3 and 4. It says, They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So the second point to notice is that among us, among us who profess to be Christians, some are foolish and some are wise. So among us, those of us who are expecting Christ to return, are some are foolish and some are wise. What made the difference between the wise and the foolish? They were all virgins, so externally they were all the same, right? They were all virgins, so externally they were all the same. They all had lamps, so they were equipped in the same way. They all had lamps, so that didn't make a difference. And they were there for the same reason. They were waiting for the bridegroom to return. So none of those things made the difference between being wise or foolish. The difference is the wise ones were prepared just in case the bridegroom had a snowstorm in the way and had to tarry or wait for a few more days before he came to the house. They were prepared. They're like, wait, well, you know, just in case something happens, I'm going to bring extra oil with me so that I can keep my lamp burning. And even for today's service, we were watching the weather. I was This morning, I was watching the weather. What are we going to do? And have plan A, plan B, if people cannot come in, what we're going to do. Those are wise things to do. So that's what made the difference between the uh, foolish and the wise. The wise ones were prepared. The foolish were not. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 5 through 7. While the bridegroom tarried or took longer, they all slumbering and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Now I have a picture for you here. If I can, hard, kind of hard to see with the light. But that's the wick. And that's an oil lamp. And what the virgins were doing is as the oil burns the wick, you had to trim the part that is burned. Maybe some of you remember uh, back home we used to use some of those lamps <laughs> or camping. I don't know. You had to trim. Or if you have a candle, you had to trim sometimes the top so that the, the fire kept burning properly. So that's what they were doing. So it shows to me that the lamp had been burning. The lamps had been burning. All ten lamps had been burning. Okay? Um, and so that's, that's what they were doing in order to make sure that the fire kept burning properly. Let me go to verses 8 and 9. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, so lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for them. Go out to those that sell and buy for them. So the third point I want you to notice is that I cannot save you. I cannot give you all my oil. I cannot give you all my oil. 
Each of us is responsible for keeping our lamps burning. Each of us is responsible for keeping our, our lamps burning. My role right now is to tell you to be prepared. I'm a messenger. That's all I am right now. I'm just a messenger. My job is to hear from the Lord what he wants me to tell you, and as much as in my power to do, to say it. Amen? To tell you, to give you a heads up, the bridegroom is coming, be prepared. Be prepared, he's coming, be prepared, don't, don't forget, that's my job. But you are responsible to get ready. You are responsible for heeding the warning and get yourself ready. Each of us must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12. Each of us must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12. Let's keep reading. Verses 10 to 13. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him into the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. That is a sovereign thought. The door was shut. Those who were ready went into the wedding feast. Those who were not were left outside. The door was shut. And also reminds us that our Lord is patient and faithful and merciful. And he has given each of us a time limit. Not a second more, not a second less. Each of us have a time and the clock is ticking, and the word is waiting patiently, mercifully for you to be ready. But when that coming comes, when the time is up, the door will be closed. If you remember Noah, if you remember in Genesis, the door shut, the, door, the Lord shut the door of the ark shut. And no matter how much people were crying outside, when the rain came and the floods came, the door was not open. And it was the Lord who closed the door of the ark. Go back and read it. It wasn't Noah. Noah didn't close the door. It was the Lord closed the door. So there's a time limit for us. That is the point that I want you to notice from the parable. And look how the Lord responds to the foolish ones. He said, I don't know you. I don't know you. That's terrible. You come into somebody's house. Hello. Can you open the door? I say, I don't know you. Who are you? That is a sobering thought for us that we must be ready. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. Be prepared. So how do you prepare? So just to wrap it up, I have four quick points to help us be ready for the Lord's return. The first thing that we must do is check our hearts. Check your heart. What is your motivation? Why are you here? Why are you in church? Do you come because of some religious duty 
some sense of religion because it's a nice thing to do because that's what your parents did. It's your tradition. You kind of like the church. Are you seeking some blessing from the Lord that he will keep you in your job, maybe give you a better job, maybe give you a nice house, a nice spouse? Some people come to church to find their price. <laughs> Is that your motivation? Or are you here because you love the Lord? And that is what motivates your coming and getting up every morning. Are you motivated by your love for the Lord or by something else? So in order for us to get ready, check your heart. Check your motivation. Why is it, why is it that you do what you do? Check your heart. Secondly, are you reading God's Word? And I don't mean only on Sundays. Daily. Are you in God's Word daily? It's the only book that can guide you throughout these weird times that we're living. And they're not going to get any easier. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that. But the Bible also tells me how to navigate through all those. The Bible tells me how to navigate. And the Lord has revealed to us in his word exactly what he wants us to do, what he's expecting from us, how should we behave, what should we do when the doctor comes with that report that nobody wants to hear? The Lord tells us in his word how we should react and what we should do. So if you're not in God's word every day, be warned. Your lamp may be running out of oil. Are you praying? And again, daily. I'm not saying every Sunday when the pastor comes and pray. Are you praying daily? And prayer is simply talking with God. We're not here to recite meaningless words. That is not what we do. We're simply talking with God, having a conversation with the Lord. Getting five minutes with a cup of coffee. Get a cup of coffee if you drink coffee or tea or whatever your favorite drink may be. And have a little conversation with the Lord. That's all that praying is. You don't have to use fanciful words. You don't have to... Uh, uh, read or, or recite some fancy prayer that somebody wrote for you. Sometimes those are nice and, and they might inspire you, but it's simply taking some time out of the day and having a conversation with the Lord. Lord, help me today. I have a tough day ahead of me, but I know you're with me. Lord, help me with that boss of mine or that co-worker or my neighbor. Amen. Give me enough for today because tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Just give me enough for today. Just give me enough energy, enough compassion, enough mercy to carry me through the day. Lord, I need you today. Amen. That's all you have to do. Have a little conversation with the Lord every day. But lastly, the last point I want to mention, which is just important, are you acting on what the Lord is asking you to do? What I see happening many times is people pray. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, but then they stop. The Lord is asking you, well, okay, I prayed and I told you to move. Take that step. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Okay, I told you to take the first step. 
And what I see many Christians do is this, talk in the prayers part, and then don't move to know to the next part, which is the action. And what does our brother James told us in his word? You believe in God? Great. That's great. Demons believe and they tremble. But don't you know, of foolish man, that faith without work is dead? Faith without work is dead. James 2, 19 and 20. So it's great. We need to pray. But when the Lord's telling you to do something, don't stop. Go and do it. I need a job, Lord. Well, okay, pray, but then get up your seat and go ask, knock a few doors, send a few resumes, go for a few interviews. Don't just sit on the couch waiting for the Lord to drop that job for you because you pray. And the Lord will guide you. Or the Lord may be asking you for, to do something else. So as we prepare for the Lord's coming, check your hearts, check your motivations, read God's word. Pray, but then put action into your faith. Put action into your faith. Whatever the Lord is telling you. And I know the Lord is speaking to all of you. Because God speaks. He speaks. In different ways. Many ways. Sometimes it's a dream. Sometimes it's through the word. Through somebody else. Through circumstances. All we have to do is pay attention. He will speak to you. You have a question, he will answer to you. I'm a testimony of that. The Lord has answered me prayers and questions in different ways. I haven't seen an angel yet, but I'm waiting <laughs> to see when he will send an angel <laughs> and he speak to me. But he can do that, right? If he, if he chooses to, one day you may wake up and see this. <laughs> It will be a tremendous experience. But he can do that. And I know he's done, doing it throughout the world. He speaks throughout the world in dreams. People are being saved through dreams and, and miracles. And pieces of paper, they, sometimes they just pick a piece of the Bible and read it. There are many testimonies of the Lord moving in this way. So let's not box him in. Don't think that he's going to talk to you only in a certain way, in a certain fashion. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Now I have two questions to finalize, but let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your message. For your word is good. For your word is good. For your word is good, Lord. And you're warning us to be ready for your coming. You're coming back. But the first question I have for all of us is, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Do you know him? Does he know you? Do you have a relationship with him? That is the first step you must take. You'll be warned. The Lord loves you. That's why he warns in you right now. And for those of you online, I don't know you. It doesn't matter how many years you've been coming to church. That's not the question. The question is, no, do you have a title in the church? you have a position? How many years you've been coming? That's not the question. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him into your life? If the answer is no, then I want you to stand up. I want to pray with you. And online, at home, if the answer is no, but you want to know him, 
You can stand up. I want to pray with you and at home as well. Find a quiet place if you can and just stand. If that is you, do not walk out of these doors not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Praise God. Anybody else? Today is your day. Today is your day. Praise God. Praise God. All you have to do, very simple, just repent from what you've done. Just confess to the Lord right now that what you have done is wrong and that you need a Savior and that that Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. In your own words, just say it right now, Lord, I messed up my life. Come into my life and save me. And save me. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior and my King. And if you do that, the angels are rejoicing. I pray for those who are standing right now, Lord, that you will speak to them and tell them that you love them. The Lord loves you. That's why you're here today, to hear his message to you, to remind you that he holds the keys. He has the answers that you are seeking. It doesn't matter what you have done in your life. If you confess right now, he's faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you and give you a new heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those, Father God. Thank you. We rejoice with you today. We rejoice with you today. Father, thank you, Lord, for that wonderful cup over there in the back praying, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you. Don't leave today. I'd like to speak to you. Okay, don't leave today. I'd like to speak to you before you go. Praise God. Praise God. My second question is, and online, if you did that prayer, reach out to me. Reach out to this church. And I would like to follow up with you if you have any questions on what you have done. But we rejoice today. Amen. Because new people are coming into the family of God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The next question is for those who then believe in Christ. Are you being wise or are you being foolish? If you believe in Christ, if you are a Christian, are you being wise or are you being foolish? If you have something that is holding you back, I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up so I can pray with you. It's not to embarrass anybody. We're not here to judge. We're not here to judge. Just give an opportunity to pray with you. Maybe you've been foolish in some area of your life and you're not getting yourself prepared. Do not let embarrassment stop you. We're family. We're family. We all have stuff in our life that we need to get rid of. I'm starting with myself. Just talk to my wife. She'll tell you. <laughs> so this is not to judge, but if you something foolish in your life that is holding you back for being prepared, what if the Lord waits to come in right now? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you being... So if that is you, if you want me to pray with you, just stand. 
and online as well. Find a quiet place. You want to stand and let's pray. Let's pray. Don't be embarrassed. I want to pray with you. It's not too late. Don't wait till the door is shut. Prepare yourself now. Amen. Amen. We're ready then. We're ready. Praise God. I hope you are. But if you're not, again, don't leave this place without getting yourself ready. You don't know what's going to happen in the next minute, next hour. Do not take any chances with your salvation. Father, I thank you for your message. Thank you for today. I thank you for those new members of your kingdom, Father God. I pray that you will continue and help them as they walk through these next days. Father God, with you, Lord, reveal yourself to them in a very personal way. And for the rest of us, help us to be ready to every day seek after you with the right motivation of our heart. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? We're going to sing one last song. Amen. And let's just sing with joy. Sing with joy because the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Father, again, I thank you and I praise you for your word. For your word is awesome. And you're a great, great king. And we thank you in Jesus' name.